welcome to my hearth. The storytelling journey we've been on has taken us on a slightly circuitous route through the Odyssey and eventually to the iconography of the story of Christ as told in the Bible. We've seen how important those images have been in the history of storytelling. And it has allowed us, when we come across a hero, to ask the question, is this a type of Christ? In this episode, I'm going to concern myself with a story where the author himself said that the hero was a type of Christ. And that is The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, written by C.S. Lewis, one of the chronicles of Narnia. This sequence of seven novels is extremely important. For a start, since its first publication in 1950, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe has never been out of print. It appears in many editions and in many languages, including a Braille version. Many English-speaking pupils read it at school or had it read to them. Time magazine, the really influential American publication, not only lists it on its influential books for young adults, but it appears on their list of the most important novels written in the 20th century. The BBC lists it amongst its big read list of books. And many people say that along with Alice in Wonderland, it's one of the books that they read when they were younger that they remember. Adaptations of it have appeared on television, on radio and on film. So what makes it so important? Why does it have such an impact? Remember that we spoke before that for a story to have a huge impact, it has to follow the Greek idea of there being a physical story, a spiritual story and an emotional story. And The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe certainly has that. Even at the time it was written, it was unusual. Like all great odysseys, it has a hero and a crew. And in this instance, the hero is a lion and the crew are four children who end up in the lion's world. The lion is on his own journey and the children go on their journey until they team up with him. Before the children go into his world, they are already displaced. We're looking at the Second World War, and these children have been evacuated into the country. They are separated from their home and family, and are living with the Professor. It is in the professor's house 
that they eventually pass through into the lion's world, the world of Narnia. They are children having to deal with a double other world. First of all, the world of the countryside, and then the world of Narnia, where they're having to interact with adults. Going into another world was not original. Obviously, Alice goes down the rabbit hole into Wonderland and, in the second novel, through the looking glass. However, especially in the first volume of Alice, the reader is led to believe that she has had a dream. Narnia is not a dream, and to get to it, the children have to go through a portal, in this case, the wardrobe. They are transported from their earthly reality into an otherworldly reality where it is permanent winter. You know where you are because you are either in normal time or in Narnia time. That of itself is the element of the supernatural. Although there are many parallels in Narnia with the human world, just like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, the four children know they're not in Kansas anymore. Going through a portal is a huge storytelling device which has become very popular in modern times. But in the case of Narnia, we are not in science fiction land, we are in science fantasy land. Just like Lord of the Rings, there are so many connections to the real world that we're not dealing with aliens coming out of spaceships. Moreover, like Alice in Wonderland, there are animals in Narnia that can speak, and in this case, can talk to humans and be understood by them. Kenneth Graham had that device with The Wind in the Willows, but for the most part in that novel, the animals are dealing with complaints and disruption between themselves. Although the animals have human characteristics, they spend most of their time with other animals. In Narnia, the animals spend most of their time living with other animals, but also with humans. Time has also been displaced in Narnia. We are permanently in winter. The White Witch has made the land continuously suffering the depths of winter without the joys of Christmas. If you take that as a religious allegory or iconography, then it means that you are permanently waiting for the arrival of the birth of the Christ child, but it never comes. The country is waiting for the Christ-like figure, Aslan, to return. Now, what are the religious themes in the story? First of all is the whole element of faith. Do you believe in Narnia? When Lucy comes back through the portal, 
comes back into the real world from the other world of Narnia, she is not believed, or rather, she is sort of believed by the Professor. If the children are an iconography, an allegory of the disciples, then Edmund is like Judas because he betrays people by saying that, even though he's been there, that Narnia doesn't exist. Peter and Susan have an element of doubting Thomas because they don't believe in Narnia until they actually go there and see it for themselves. Moreover, Narnia is the place where the children eventually reach the fullness of their being, achieve their potential, become adults, and as it were, rule with Aslan. A connection to when I was a child, I thought as a child, I speak as a child, but then I shall see face to face. It's interesting as well, isn't it, typical uh, C.S. Lewis, that when Edmund rules, he becomes known as Edmund the Just, and so therefore his whole being has been turned on its head when he achieves the fullness of his spiritual being. Now, I've already said that we do not need to dig too deeply to answer the question, is Aslan a type of Christ? He is seen as an aspect of the creator God because he created Narnia. His father, who we could call God, is called the Emperor over the sea. As the story unfolds, Aslan sacrifices himself, in this case, to save Edmund. In iconography, Edmund therefore represents humanity. Aslan submits himself to be killed. He is humiliated first. Uh, His symbols of his kingship, his mane, is shaved away and he is tied to the stone table. That has been postulated as a symbol of the tablets that Moses brought down from the mountains where the Ten Commandments are written on, which were tablets of stone. Therefore, the stone table represents the law. When Aslan is killed i.e. when Christ is killed, the law is also destroyed because the stone table cracks. Aslan himself is resurrected. He comes back from the dead. Now, in this instance, it's not three days, as is Jesus in the Bible. It's, It's one day, but it's still a resurrection. The children themselves are referred to by the Narnians, and especially the White Witch, as the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. They are the people that the White Witch fears most because it's been prophesied that sons of Adam and daughters of Eve will overthrow her. 
if she is frightened of the human race, then whatever she is, she is not human. She is always referred to as the White Witch or the Witch, and therefore she is a non-human spiritual being. When it is winter, things do not grow. Therefore, she is the opposite of creativity. She is more connected to Lucifer. Remember that in pagan times, people were frightened of the winter because they thought the sun and the growing possibilities were not going to come back. Therefore, by her holding the earth in thrall to winter, she is powerfully stopping people thriving. She connects to evil elements mentioned in the Bible, which are female. She connects to the evil of witches in traditional storytelling. There are elements in her story of Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen, who keeps Kay a prisoner in a land of ice. I'm sure there are themes within Walt Disney's Frozen which connect to some of her great doings. Now, interestingly, at the other side of the portal... When the children are in Narnia, they do grow up to be adults and kings and queens, and it's not until they find the key to the portal, the old-fashioned lampstand in the forest, that they remember who they were and where they came from. And when they come back through the portal, they come back to being children again. If you've never read The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, it is worth a look, especially if you're considering going further into science fantasy. Its storytelling, on first sight, appears to be very simple, but it has many layers to it, which give you a lot of the rules of that kind of genre. As I said at the beginning, there are seven novels in the sequence and they are all worth a read. We'll continue with this theme next time.